Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this there's nothing else that sounds like feels like or looks like the set of wheels in your garage with over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome back, everybody. Another edition here of the Auburn Undercover Podcast on the 24-7 Sports Network. My name is Nathan King, joined here today once again by Mark Murphy have a basketball edition of the show for you guys today talk about Auburn's most recent game over the weekend their first loss of the season which was in Atlanta at State Farm Arena they lost to Memphis and then they've got three games coming up in less than a week Mark and I were, <laughs> were doing the quick math before uh, before we got rolling less than a week's time um, for this team to, to play its final three games in the non-conference schedule before they get in to SEC play um, Mark I think we'd be remiss though if we didn't mention at least for this this gets posted this will be posted on um tuesday morning recording here on on monday evening um that our 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 thoughts and th- sympathies are with um uh, mike leach his family the mississippi state community um and, and you know again as we're recording this right now um you know the the current situation is that obviously um he's in a bad spot but nothing you know nothing has exactly happened at this point as we're recording here on monday evening uh, I know you're you're somebody who's a big fan of his. Um, we, you know, we've done podcasts the past few years talking about previewing Auburn's games against Mississippi State, and uh, I know he's always somebody that you've that you've liked that you've liked as a head coach. And obviously, he's been admired by a lot of people for a long time. Um, we were talking earlier tonight about how fun those those Texas Tech teams were. And, you know, I, I wish I had been around to um, you know been a little bit older and had had taken some of those in. But um, just a, a really unfortunate, you know, awful situation for for him and, and that community. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. It certainly doesn't look good. Um, but you know, just a, just an incredible coach and, um, you know, what, whatever happens, he he's left an incredible legacy on the sport already. And also just an all around interesting guy too, because at Washington state, he taught classes outside of football and he did the same thing at Mississippi state. And, uh, he, he had a lot of varied interest and, uh, yeah, it's, it's really a tough situation over there. And, uh, yeah, I feel bad uh, for the family. And, you know, he's got a huge coaching tree too, Nathan. Um, loads of people who've worked for him went on to become head coaches or offensive or defensive coordinators elsewhere. And uh, so he he's had a huge impact 
on college football for many years now. Yeah, and pretty special. You know, I think, uh, again, we'll, we'll, we're recording this on Monday evening. Um, you know, nothing, is, nothing has happened. But, you know, that guy's Cadillac Williams' first game. I was talking about that earlier today with some people. Um, as as the interim coach, I remember seeing him laughing with Mike Leach for the game. That's that's undoubtedly a game that, um, you know, for a couple of reasons that that Cadillac Williams um, won't forget. And, uh, and Mike Leach had a Mike Leach had a winning record against uh, against Auburn, including uh, including the biggest comeback in 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 Jordan Hare Stadium history by an a by an away team, one of the most incredible halves of offense I've ever I've ever seen from a team um, in that game against Mississippi state last year. So wanted to get that out of the way and say, um, that, you know, of course our, our thoughts, our love, our, our sympathies are with Mike Leach's family and, uh, and the Mississippi state community, but getting into basketball, both me and Mark were at the game Saturday in Atlanta. We knew this was going to be a tough matchup. We knew this was likely Auburn's toughest test of the season so far. Very experienced team in Memphis, eight out of their nine rotation players are, are seniors, very defensive oriented team. You know, Mark, I was thinking this was a game that was going to be in the 60 to 55 kind of range just because of how talented both of these teams are on the defensive end. And instead, it it showed some real defensive weaknesses for Auburn for the first time this season. Memphis won 82 to 73. And I thought Bruce Pearl did a good job of summing it up after the game. You know, you look at you can you can critique the freshmen, of course, and and, and kind of their struggles. And we'll get to that later. But I don't really think there were any individual awful performances that stand out for Auburn it was team defense and team rebounding it was it was very much a team loss um in in those two areas and two areas that Auburn's got to get short up pretty quickly because at, at times on the glass and and definitely cutting to the basket points in the paint Memphis was just absolutely doing whatever they wanted in this game yeah obviously Memphis scouted Auburn very well probably scouted Auburn back to last year to the uh NCAA tournament loss against Miami. And, uh, you know, they did some good things with how they forced Wendell Green to one side of the court where he was less comfortable and then brought help up when Wendell penetrated to keep him from taking one of his off-balance shots, long layups that he's really good at. And, uh, you know, I thought the real big issue for Auburn in this game was uh, Memphis really attacked those ball screens. Uh, you know, Auburn would try to switch off and then somebody would just bust out towards the basket. And the big guys normally are there for Auburn to uh, take care of that when they somebody gets beat. But uh, Memphis hit some shots from the corners earlier in the game. And so the Auburn's big guys are concerned about getting out there and defending those. So they had this floor sp- spread and, you know, Auburn's bigs would try to race back to the basket to try to defend it. But Memphis went straight for the goal. Very athletic team, Nathan. They just went up and dunked the ball most of the time. And uh, it was a well-executed plan and a really good plan. And uh, it's going to give Bruce Pearl and his staff plenty of uh, information on what needs to get fixed. Um, you know, college basketball coaches are major copycats. They'll watch that video and get some ideas on how to attack Auburn. So Auburn needs to be prepared for that in the coming weeks. Yeah. Rebounding was a big, was a big issue as well. I thought it was interesting. You know, Penny Hardaway, we were talking to him after the game, of course, of course the Memphis coach. And he said that these were only like you mentioned, Mark, you know, scouting did, they did a good job of scouting Auburn. Um, you know, the, the rebounding plan, whatever their game plan was that was so successful um, he sort of acted like it was only, I don't know, I don't know if implemented is the right word, 
um, but maybe put a focus on it only in in you know a week or so leading up to the game. Um, in the first half, it was nine to one on the offensive glass for Memphis, and I thought it was big for Memphis as well. You know, they, we talk about the middle eight in football, the, the first you know the last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half. In this game, I don't know the you know the exact score on, off the top of my head, but Memphis won that as well. They they had a scoring run um, that allowed them to take a lead into halftime. They led thirty eight to thirty two. Auburn had the lead with only a few minutes left in the first half, and then Memphis went on a run. And then Memphis made ten of their first sixteen shots in the second half, including eight straight. And that's kind of what you were referencing, Mark, where they were pulling the pulling the big men away from the basket. You know, kind of contorting the half court sets how they wanted, and they were just getting to the basket. Um, over and over again, went on a good run there, went up by as many as 15 in the second half. Like, like I talked about earlier, you know, this wasn't you know, an, an awful game for any Auburn player in particular. There, there were some offensive struggles, but at the end of the day, they, they still scored 73 points in this game. And, you know, we've been talking to Bruce Pearl about it for the past few weeks. He, he knew the offense would be a work in progress. And he said, you know, on Saturday, this was the first time the defense had, had let them down this season i understand the offense could have been better but what he means by that is you know he's been telling us the past few weeks they, they have to lean on this defense while they're figuring out the offense and he's you know he said they could have won this game with 73 points but you can't win this game giving up 82 points so that continues to be auburn's identity right now and and when they're not able to lean on it as effectively like they weren't able to in this game um it caused a lot of problems for them for them it caused them to lose and, and it could cause problems for them here against a, a couple talented opponents coming up in the next week you know, before the Memphis game, Nathan, the most points Auburn had allowed was 66 and uh, uh, against a really good offensive team. Uh, they played Colgate and uh, and they probably could have held them to fewer than that. Auburn sort of called the dogs off late in the game and Colgate scored some baskets late against the reserves. So, you know, Auburn was keeping people down really well on defense. I think two big things happened. Uh, up in Atlanta Saturday night. The first half, Auburn didn't take care of business on the boards, like you mentioned. That offensive rebounding uh, problem uh, really cropped up. And then the second half, um, the defense faltered and, you know, hitting all those shots in a row made it impossible for Auburn to make a run because Auburn normally does that when it gets behind. Uh, they buckle down and uh, get some fast break baskets, uh, get to the foul line. And they did that at times, but it just wasn't nearly enough because they just weren't getting the stops on defense. And, yeah, I certainly agree with you. I was not expecting any of these teams to get into the 80s. And I was would have been skeptical if you told me one of the teams would got into the 70s before the game. I thought it was going to be, you know, mid-60s type game. And, you know, Bruce Pearl used the description of rock fight. And, um, and I think that was the attitude that Memphis came in there with. And I don't think Auburn played with a rock fight mentality in that game. I thought um, they just figured they would pull the game out. And, you know, maybe uh, it's it's hard to say that a loss is going to be good for a team in the long run, but uh, I certainly think it will get the team refocused and get these guys serious about, um, you know, concentrating for 40 minutes, and, and and they really need to do that on their West Coast trip. They should be able to beat Georgia State on uh, Wednesday night without a huge amount of problems. Georgia State had a couple good results, but uh, uh, in their only road game, they got beat pretty good by Northeastern. So uh, I'm curious to see how Auburn responds. And 
basically got three games left to get ready for the Florida Gators and the start of SEC play on December 28th, Nathan. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yeah, in this game, you, you, the, the point guard matchup against Memphis was, was obviously highlighted. Kendrick Davis is the reigning American Conference Player of the Year. He did it at SMU last season, then transferred to Memphis. He was spectacular. Um, in this game, man, all those foul shots, 27 points, nine boards, six assists. I thought DeAndre Williams was really impressive for them. He had 16 points and 11 boards. He was kind of their go-to guy when they were just cutting to the basket um, from the wings. A big key in this game was in the first half, you know, talking about the struggles Auburn's defense had. They, they were getting a lot of turnovers. Um, you know, Penny Hardaway was talking after the game, talking about charges and push-offs. Um, but then a few steals. You know, Auburn was, was getting a turnovers. They forced 13 turnovers in the first half only seven points off of those. And so had to think Auburn maybe would have found itself in a better position down the stretch if they'd been able to take advantage of that. It's tough when you're, when you're playing that style, obviously Auburn has you know so much emphasis on turnovers and blocks. It's tough when you're playing successfully to that, to that style, but you're not able to get points off of it. Um, and then Mark, this, they came in here, the number one team in the country in block rate. They didn't have any blocks in the game until four minutes left. Dylan Cardwell had back-to-back rejections toward the end of the game as Auburn kind of made that run, got some momentum back in the crowd, but, um, you know, not, not converting off of turnovers and not playing their, their type of defense, you know, type of rim protection that they're used to obviously hurt them a bunch down the stretch. A theme for this team that has continued over the past few weeks has been the, the play of the freshmen. You know, they've got, they've got two top 50 overall recruits in chance Westry and, and Yoan Treor who uh, I, I struggle to say, you know, aren't playing up to their potential. It's very early in their careers. And, you know, as Bruce Pearl doesn't sound super worried about it, but it is something that has affected the team um, of late, at least in terms of not getting a lot of production out of their minutes. Treor has now been scoreless in three out of his last four games, including this one. And Chance Westry really just, he, he struggled in that backup point guard spot against an experienced Memphis defense. Three turnovers was 0 of 5 shooting from the floor. Wonder if maybe you'll see Trey Donaldson get get some burn at that backup point guard spot um, here in the next couple games. But overall, just on the whole, if Auburn is going to take it, take you know, take a little bit, you know, it, it would help them take another step if if you start to get a little more production out of Trey Orr and, and Westry. It, it doesn't have to be a bunch, but they were essentially, you know, again, non-factor is probably a little bit harsh. But both of them scoreless and uh, and really kind of struggled to find any sort of groove in this game. You know, uh, Chance Westry was playing three positions in the summer and to start the season. Then he had the knee surgery in between the, the summer exhibition games. And when he got back out there and started playing, and he's not as quick as he was 
in the summer. He doesn't have the lateral movement he had at that time. And, you know, I asked him how close he was to 100%, and he sort of dodged the question. Uh, and it's obvious to me he's not full speed. So does he really need to be playing point guard now? That's something I'm sure the coaches are taking a look at. And uh, Trey Donaldson is healthy. He's physical. Um, he's fearless out there on the court. And he's definitely a scoring threat, too. Uh, if you leave him open for a three-point shot, he can make it. And, uh, you know, he's a really strong freshman just physically out there and uh, really competitive guy who's, you know, came through in big games, MVP of the state championship game last year. So, you know, I could see him getting some more playing time instead of being, you know, watching from the sidelines. Because when he's played, he's played really well. Traor making the move from a high school level center to to the um, Jabari Smith point forward, point power forward position, whatever Bruce wants to call it. I mean, he is just struggling right now with that because, you know, the competition level is so much higher. Um, he's not that experienced. You know, he's a guy who only played four years of basketball before coming into college. And, uh, you know, right now he, he doesn't have a lot of confidence. And uh, But I do think um, you're right about him and his talent, Nathan. I mean, all it's going to take is a couple of games for him to, you know, find his shot make a couple blocks, a couple steals, and we know he's got that athletic ability. And then all of a sudden it'll be like a light switch coming on and we'll see him play up to his potential. And, uh, you know, the good thing about this roster this year, Nathan, is like, hey, if you need to go to a plan B, that's available. If plan C is available, plan D is available. There's a lot of different ways they can use this lineup because they got about a dozen guys who can play. Yeah, you saw that even on on Saturday. You had certain guys playing really well, certain guys that that weren't having the best night. I thought Chris Moore had a really good game. KD Johnson had a nice game. John I. Broom kind of figured things out. Again, it wasn't the worst performance for Auburn in the world. I just thought there were a couple defensive stretches where they really lapsed, and that ended up being um, the key in the game. It was, a, it was a great environment. That was something both coaches um, talked about awesome, awesome game. Really, uh, really great arena, really great venue. Of course, Auburn dominated the uh, the crowd there. I'd say it's probably 80-20, maybe 85-15. But those, the Memphis fans made themselves known there at the uh, at the end of the game. And so both coaches really complimented that and said, you know, of course, anything like that is going to help you out in terms of, you know, these will be two tournament teams giving you kind of that, that neutral court, that, you know, that big game experience moving forward. As we mentioned, they play Georgia State on Wednesday night, that's 7 o'clock Central on SEC Network Plus. You look at everything Georgia State brings to the table, shouldn't be that much of an issue. I think you know, should probably expect a pretty good bounce-back performance. And then they get to this West Coast road swing that we've – I mean, I've been looking forward to for a while. These will be two really fun games. Um, of course, they start off with USC. This was a team they could have matched up against in the round of 32 last year if, uh, if that half-court – Gordon Hayward type heave had gone in for USC instead. Of course, Auburn played uh, played Miami. Still not not as good of a team as they were last year. Certainly not as good as a team as they were the year before. Um, but still, still a decent Pac-12 opponent. It's two and zero in the conference so far. And then you play at Washington. Both of these teams kind of fringe tournament teams. It feels like. But something I was looking at, Mark. Both of these teams, both are top fifty in the country in scoring defense. USC is number 43 in Ken Palm defensive efficiency and, and Washington's number 53. So in terms of the offense, it's you know, heading into SEC. 
a little bit of a tune-up game here against uh, against Georgia State. But after that, in these two games, their offense is going to have to play well to win in, in what should be two really good environments as well. Yeah, from uh, from what I've seen of of uh, Southern Cal, they still got a lot of talent. They still got a lot of length. I think Washington's got nice guard play. They got uh, the transfer from Kentucky, power forward, who's a good player uh, and, and scoring real well for them so far. Uh, they had a, a tough game against uh, Gonzaga the other night and didn't do very well. Um, but, you know, I think there's going to be a lot of Auburn fans uh, out at Southern Cal game. Uh, I would guess there'd be 800, 900 Auburn fans there supporting them. So, yeah, talking about the uh, the fan turnout, you know, Bruce Pearl and the staff couldn't ask for much more fan support. It was so loud in there that at times I couldn't hear uh, talking to the person next to me there. It was it was that loud. And uh, I enjoyed it. I was sitting close to the bench uh, listening to Penny Hardaway coach. And I came away with more respect for him as a coach uh, than I did previously. I'd watched him play a couple of times this year, and I don't think they were the, – they didn't play great, but he said afterwards that was by far the best they'd played this season. I think they really got up for the chance to play Auburn. And, you know, team was number one in the country last year. It makes you a big target. They're the defending SEC champions. That also makes you a target. Um, to Memphis, it's a big deal to compete with and beat SEC teams. Uh, uh, they beat Vandy at Vandy. They beat Ole Miss at home, so uh, they got a couple more games coming up against uh, SEC opponents. So it's a big deal for a team from that conference trying to get itself positioned for the NCAA tournament, Nathan. Yeah, I think it'll be, you know, if you win both of these games, Memphis, obviously, that, that would have been a quad one win for all where Memphis is in the 30s right now. Um, in the or Excuse me, in the high 20s in the net rankings. That would have been a quad one win. Like you mentioned, it's a great resume win for Memphis. These will both be, I think these are both quad one games for Auburn on the road right now. Maybe Washington is a quad two, but either way, a couple good non-conference wins you could pick up. I don't think it's the end of the world if they split. It's going to be difficult environments. These are both two good defensive teams. I don't think they're as good as Auburn. They don't have as much potential or talent or depth as Auburn, Um, but it's tough to win on the road. And so, you know, just just sort of putting that out there before, because, you know, the first loss of the season is always tough for a, for Auburn fans with what they've what they've come to expect from uh from Bruce Pearl. You always kind of got to get that first loss out of the way for people to uh to sort of bring their sort of bring the blood pressure down a little bit. I think everybody maybe has come back to earth now and realizes, "Hey, this team isn't terrible. They uh they just lost a basketball game against against another pretty good team." So, um but if you go 2 and 0 on this on this trip, that's huge going into SEC play because as we saw over the weekend, Mark and and we're going to learn a little bit more. I mean, Alabama hosts this Memphis team. I believe on Tuesday night, like you mentioned, they've they've got more SEC teams um, on the docket there. As we learned over the weekend, especially from Alabama going in and beating number one Houston, a couple other good results in the SEC. Tennessee is still the best defensive team in the country. Um, once SEC play gets rolling for Auburn, Mississippi State has been a great story so far this season. I know Missouri lost to Kansas, but they've been pretty good. Um, this is not going to be an easy SEC slate, which is what we expected. But but defending an SEC title is not going to be an easy task for Auburn this season. I agree. You know, a lot of new coaches in the league. And, you know, I've said all along, Chris Jans at Mississippi State was a very good hire. And uh, John Cohen, the new Auburn athletic director, made that hire. And uh, I think Mississippi State's 9-0 and right now. And basically doing it with really good defense, which was his trademark at New Mexico State. So, 
I agree. A lot of good teams in the league. A lot of SEC teams are playing challenging games, like Tennessee's going to be out at Arizona uh, this weekend playing, and uh, they just got through playing Maryland in a crazy game that they were about to blow them out, and then they had to hold on for dear life at the end up in Brooklyn. So uh, Kentucky's played a lot of tough teams too, and uh, uh, don't know who's the favorite in the SEC. Arkansas looks really good, lost one of their key players, and, you know, but I don't think anybody's going undefeated in college basketball this year. I doubt there's going to be any teams that get to the NCAA tournament with just one or two losses. There's just that many good teams out there, Nathan. Yeah, I think if you're Auburn, you're looking at, I think the number one thing is what Mark brought up earlier. Uh, not many teams have the plan Bs and the plan Cs that Auburn's got. So we've seen it in seasons past. Um, guys that pick it up over the course of the year start to figure things out. If if guys like Yohan Treor and Chance Westry here in the next few games, by the time SEC play rolls around, maybe in the first few weeks SEC play, start to get a little more comfortable. Of course, like Mark mentioned, um, Chance Westry's not 100%. Healthy, well, he's healthy enough to play, but you know he's coming back from an injury. Both those guys start finding their footing, and Auburn continues to figure out um, its rotation and, and what its strength are in terms of its in terms of its depth. They're going to be just fine in terms of competing in the SEC this season. So should be a fun next week of basketball, you guys. Um, so it's it, it's a week. I just look marks so that Washington game's on Wednesday. So you go from Wednesday to Wednesday. You got three games in that in that stretch for Auburn to close out the non conference, and then they open up SEC play a week after that, December twenty eighth at home. Um, they bring former Auburn assistant Todd Golden. He'll be back. Uh, he'll be back on the planes with the Gators. So thank you guys so much for joining us on this edition of the show. Hope everybody enjoyed it. If you guys did, please go leave us a five-star review. That's the number one thing that helps us. The bumper music is by Beats by Mordecai. You guys can follow him on Twitter, SoundCloud, Instagram. Until the next episode, everybody enjoy the game on Wednesday night. We'll catch you guys later. takes two minutes of sheer horror. A new Paramount Plus original docuseries. We were dealing with a serial killer preying on elderly women. A cold-blooded killer hidden in plain sight. He's suffocating people with a pillows. Leaving corpses all over Texas. How did it happen? I was responsible for her. The guilt is immeasurable. They covered it up. Pillowcase Murders, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus.